You're listening to Process with Broads and D-Ray. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Process. And today we are going to discuss a little pushback by the players. And Joel Embiid had some interesting comments. I'm not going to lie to you. It gets me going a bit. And normally people would get excited about those quotes. Like, are you kidding me, baby? Let's go. But I think I've heard it enough out of Joel. And we will get into that. But before we do, D-Ray, your weekend, how was it? Great, man. It was great. Just just chilled out a little bit. You know what I mean? Just kind of unplugged and stepped away from everything. Man. How you feeling? Yeah, man. I did the same thing. I uh had some beers. That's pretty much my unwinding. Had some cold ones, some double IPAs, some normal <laughs> IPAs, some White Claws. I'm not going to lie. Mango, not a bad option. Are you into the White Claws at all? No, not at all. But I, I've heard nothing but great things about the White Claws. I, I feel like they're just the, the best things to slice bread at this point. What makes them so damn good? Well, see, this is my thing. Are you not going in that direction because of the the excitement over them? Like, do you think they're just so hyped it's almost turning you off? No, 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 no. It's just, you know what I mean? Everybody, they, they move at their own pace. I just, all right, we're going to have to get together and we're going to have to do the white claw thing. Because, look, okay. I, I understand that people are all, like, obsessed with them, but there's a reason for it, right? Like, I'm not a big follower follower either it's either hey i'm gonna lean in my own direction but i had the first white claw and it just it hit me you know i like i was started shaking like oh my and then i just like i started walking to the liquor store to go pick up my own i couldn't even stop my body i was like what's happening <laughs> so good what is it what is it what, it's what, just spiked seltzer i mean it, yeah it's seltzer water with a little spike you got the low cows the less sugar as if that's really why i'm drinking it no it just tastes so damn good d-ray that's what it is okay okay all right i'm sorry i got fired up man no, no you good you good you good man well, well, I, got, I got my water my cold my cold brew your cold <laughs> brew you're going exactly. with now, what is your your drink of choice if you are going to have one since you're anti White Claw, and you're denying that. I'm a wine guy. You're a wine guy. What are we going with here? Marlowe? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a Marlowe mm-hmm. guy. So you like the red over the white, or do you like white as well? No, I like white. I tried white wine a couple of times. It just didn't sit well with me. I got to be I'm not a huge drinker. I'm going to sit here and paint myself all with some sure. wine. No, so, I'm not some huge insane yeah. partier like I was back yeah. in the day either. But Yeah, I, I'm you know. not the guy who like drinks something like... 1917. Yeah, exactly. This is definitely from California. Like, I'm not that dude. I'm not that dude. But if I had to choose a drink, it's, it's wine. Okay. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. No, I'm, uh, I'm out on the whole Atlantic City, 3 a.m., blackout, walk back, stumble in home <laughs> kind of nights. No doubt about it. That's But, I, you know, a couple of nice IPAs out back with the boys throwing the football around, a little country music going. You know, that's kind of how I, how I kick it back these weekends. But anyway, we got some hoops to talk about. Or do we? Do we have hoops? There's oh, a little God. bit of a pushback here. And, and I guess the biggest thing on the table is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving came out and said, look, there's a lot going on in this world right now. Um, there's a powerful message that needs to be sent to everybody. Mm-hmm. And he questions if it's worth going back to play basketball when there's such a strong, strong voice out there right now when it comes to racism. And 
we both understand that that is a, a, not a bad way to look at it. We understand where he is coming from. I think everybody thinks that, yeah, I mean, he's not wrong, but I just yeah. don't know. This is me personally, and you can give your opinion after. I, I just don't know if we can do the whole no basketball season because of it. I look at it as maybe there's a way that because all the eyes will be on the NBA because there will be no other sports to compete with the NBA when they return. I mean, hockey will be in return as well, but the NBA totally destroys that when it comes to ratings and who knows what's happening with baseball because they will have pretty much all of America watching them play. There is a platform for them to continue this message and maybe even make it stronger. So just to be clear, I support the mindset that Kyrie Irving has. Mm -hmm. I just think that maybe you can still go out there and play basketball and use that platform to continue the powerful message as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think what Kyrie was getting at was the distraction factor in the sense of he feels as though it's going to take away from the message. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I think that you can do both. You know what I mean? I heard an opinion that somebody said, you know, historically, Will Chamberlain, um, Bill Russell, you know, those were two guys who were in the middle of some very racially charged times, and they still went out there and played. Uh, but to Kyrie's defense, this is a different time. And I think what he's getting at is to not play at all sends a much bigger message, uh, in his opinion, than playing. And, you know, just to play devil's advocate, I do understand that. But I would like to see the NBA return. I would like to see them use their voice in press conferences and things like that. Uh, because by not playing at all, I, I feel like people are going to kind of, as they've done with the argument several times with Kaepernick, you know, with the flag, with something, they did the argument kind of gets reverted from what's really being talked about, which is injustice from human beings to other human beings. Uh, but I, I see what Kyrie's saying. I just, I think, and I told you this before we hopped on, I think the issue is it's coming directly from Kyrie. Uh, and he's been the Bulls cry wolf on certain things, or he's kind of looked at as a little off by a lot of his peers or a lot of people. And it, it kind of, I would like to see somebody else back him to really nail the message home. Like I think a uh, uh, James Harden, uh, Russell Westbrook, who's been out there on the front lines. DeMar DeRozan's been out there on the front lines. I think players like that, if they backed him, then the message would hit a little harder. Now, do you think that there's a reason why these people are not coming out and backing him almost because maybe they think, hey, we want to get back as well and we think we can still continue to do what we need to do? Like, I, I think, you know, there are people supporting him, by the way. I know Dwight Howard's one of them, although he's not as um, big of a name as maybe the guys you are mentioning, although he did have a pretty decent damn season, and yeah. his prime was something else. People forget yeah. that Dwight Howard had a prime that was super special, yes. but, you know, I wonder if there is a reason why these guys aren't vocally coming out and agreeing with him, maybe because they, they might disagree to an extent. Once again, they're, they're not disagreeing with the general idea of what mm -hmm. he's saying, because we can all agree that he, he is onto something by saying that, but once again, maybe these players want to go play hoops and think we can do this as well. Because look at what the NFL is doing right now. There are a ton of players, if not almost everyone, not everyone, but a ton of players saying we are going to kneel. We we are going to kneel. We are going to kneel for the national anthem. And I could... I can literally picture a scenario in my brain right now where the Lakers and Bucks are playing in the NBA Finals and every single person, including the coaches, everyone involved, is making a statement somehow, some way. And I think that that can still happen. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you, bro. I absolutely agree with you. I think I like what the NFL is doing, especially because it started with Kaepernick. Let's call it what it is. Like there was an NBA player who took, you know, they a couple years back, six years back when they had the I um the uh the I can't breathe shirts. You know what I mean? From um Eric Garden. Like that was that was huge. That was back when Kobe was still playing. I remember those shirts. Like that was different, but Kaepernick's Neil, that was, you know he was told to do by a veteran in the NFL, it hits different for all of them to kneel. I'm interested to see what the NBA does. I can't imagine them kneeling. I ultimately think, and I'm going to just say this to you now, bro, I think National Anthem is going to get pulled. I think it's going to become such a, it's going to become such a, um, uh, a beacon of just, it's always going to go back to that for the people who don't and the people who do. And it's like, listen, take that out. You know what I mean? But I'm very interested to see what the NBA is going to do but like I said, I think they can play and get their message across. I'm with you. Like, I feel like they can use, you know, their ability to control the narrative and the fact that there's going to be that many more eyes on them. Let's be honest. Like, there's one thing for NBA players to post an IG story or something like that, and it's different. There's another thing for a commentator to say during a game to talk about the, you know, the issues going on. There's another thing for a player in a post, uh, post-game post conference to talk about the issues going on. But I agree with both. I'm not going to lie. I see what Kyrie's saying, but I'm also for, for them playing again. Now, you mentioned pulling the, the national anthem. Do you think yeah. that that's possibly a bad thing for this voice to be heard? I mean, if they pull the national anthem, where can you... I mean, you can obviously use other ways to say things, but I think right now that is the prime spot to kind of make your statement. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I, Like I said, because it's... Every time National Anthem comes up in the NFL, you're going to have somebody kneeling. Now, if I don't want people paying attention to that, I'm just not going to play the National Anthem. Like I said, that's what makes me interested in, all right, so what's next? If y'all don't play the National Anthem, what are y'all going to do next? And I have faith in the LeBron James and the James Hardens and the, uh, quite frankly, you know, the, the Ben Simmons, Joel and Beads of the world to speak up during uh, press conferences and, you know, pregame. They're going to find something. But I feel like the National Anthem is such a especially now with the NFL apologizing and everything like that. The cabinet, like it takes on a different level when you hear that and somebody kneels. They're going to find something. Oh, they're, they're definitely going to find something. And LeBron, you know how passionate LeBron James is about this and that's not to say other people are not as passionate of course they are but you know LeBron is super passionate about this and super passionate about winning so I think he's gonna find a way to to mix the both together and you saw Patrick Beverly essentially say look whatever LeBron James wants this is gonna happen and I don't know if that's uh I don't know how to feel about that honestly because I get what he's saying LeBron has a ton of power and and has a voice when it comes to this league but at the same time it shouldn't come down to LeBron James either, right? I mean, listen, first of all, I agree with them. I agree with them. I think it's another case of who's it coming from, the messenger versus the message. Uh, it's Patrick Beverly. So everybody's like, ah, oh, it's just Patrick, Patrick Beverly. But, hey, man, they call him the king. That shit is, is seen in many ways as a monarch. You know what I mean? Like, if he says something, for the most part, it's going to go. They're going to find a way to make it happen. And I do believe that to an extent. You know what I mean? I don't think that... His outweighs everybody else. If everybody was saying, let's go right, and LeBron was saying, let's go left, they're going to go right. But for LeBron to say, let's go left first, it's like everybody's like, I don't know. I just think, I think it'll be powerful, especially because number one, I think LeBron wants to get back partially because he knows they're going to win this year. Sure. It's called what it is. Yeah. Like, who's stopping them? But I think for them to get back and win, and let's say a certain statement is made during a championship speech, 
during a finals MVP award speech. That takes on the same leverage as, you know, back in the 60s during a track meet when you got the black gloves and the fist in the air. Like now you have a different level of, oh, shit, you can't look away from this. This is the pinnacle. This is the championship of the NBA. Somebody makes their message known at that point. And then I think the beauty of it is because everybody's on the same page, it almost isn't going to matter who wins. That message made at that point hits different than guys sitting at home tweeting. No, that's interesting. I'm I'm really looking forward to to see what they end up doing from here. And it's not only the pushback because of this. There's also a pushback because of how everything's playing out with COVID-19 at the moment. And you saw you saw Damian Lillard come out and said, I want an opportunity. I want a chance. If I'm going to return to Orlando, I want to be able to compete. Now you got Carmelo Anthony and some other guys going, eh, you know, I don't even know if it's worth it. If we're X amount of games back and we only have eight games to play, is it worth it to go through a training camp to go and, and try and make the playoffs if we really don't have a high chance to do it? So here's the thing you got to remember throughout this process is when you are playing pro sports, you can make more money in the postseason but you get paid for the regular season that's where you make your contract money so when you look at how much money these guys are going to make it's it's an extra one or two paychecks now for those the low salary people yeah I mean that's important but for Carmelo Anthony and some of these other guys they might feel all right hey why don't we just sit out I mean I don't need that one extra paycheck I'm good right now so it's not as if they're leaving an obnoxious amount of money on the table because there's only eight games left yeah, I think that is a, a case of just a lack of empathy. Like you said, like that money isn't important to you. And if quite frankly, to me, if all you're thinking about is the money, and it's kind of like, I don't really want to hear you from a competitor standpoint. Like I said before in here, Damian Lillard, he wants to get back as a competitor. You know what I mean? Not as someone who's trying to connect another check. It's no, I want to compete for a championship. And I don't see how that in any way outweighs anything else in this game. Like I don't see how... Sorry, it couldn't outweigh anything else. Like, I get it, the COVID-19 concerns. This thing is definitely real to an extent. I understand that. But it's like, I am trying to win. And if I have, you're telling me there's a chance to win. Why would I not take it? You know what I mean? I, just, I feel like once you reach that level, it's like that thing that Jordan said about the uh, in the documentary. Like, I think it was like in the first episode. And the guy was saying, he was like, this thing is saying you have a 90% chance of getting better but a 10% chance of never playing again. Would you take it? He was like, depends on how bad the headache is. You know what I mean? He was like, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, I will, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on the 90, not the 10. Y'all focus on the 10, that's negative. I'm focused on the 90% chance of it working. As a competitor, it's like, I'm focusing on that chance that I could win, not the fact that a bunch of things could go wrong and I couldn't. No, it's a great way to put it. No doubt about it. It's, it's just so interesting because I guess, now you also have Walt Disney World in the play as well and what they're doing for their for their employees with COVID-19 and the NBA. And, and now it's just getting into a, a little bit different because the cases are rising. But here's the thing. I mean, if you're in your own bubble, it shouldn't really matter what's going on in the outside world because that's the point of being in the bubble. You're in the bubble for a reason. But because of these these COVID-19 cases rising, the bubble is starting to get stricter. So they're going to have to to implement different rules and they're not allowed to have as much freedom. And I think that's where some of these players are getting a little bit concerned or I guess a little bit disappointed in what's happening with it. So, I mean, there's so much money involved for me to to say, 
I don't know if anything's going to happen, right? Like, there's just so much money involved in the TV deals and these players getting paid. It's hard for me to sit back and go, ooh, I think they're going to totally not have a season now, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't see that. I don't so see you that think you're sitting on the, hey, there's still going to be basketball? Yeah, I mean, to be quite honest, like I said, as a competitor, why does it matter if there's stricter reasons? I've been stuck in the crib for how long now? It's like, why do I care about being stuck at Disney World with the chance to win? I'd rather be stuck at Disney World with a chance to win than stuck in the house with nothing. I, I just don't. I, I said, for me, it's just at some point you got to start weeding the guys who are there because they like the lifestyle and guys who are there because they love the game. You know what I mean? And if you love the game truly and you're about winning, Somebody tells you, listen, you're going to have to jump through rings of fire, have strict, you know, COVID-19 lockdown protocols and all these different things. But it's like, all right, I'll deal with all that for the sake of being able to win a championship. It's like, what are we talking about? Like, Why are we talking about anything else? Nothing else matters. I don't give a shit about Disney World going to Epcot Center. I'm trying to win a fucking championship. Like nothing else should even really be in the mix. I don't see how that became an argument like the stricter call, you know, stricter protocol. And if you're scared of catching COVID-19, I get that. I get that. That's your concern. That's on you. But if guys are backing out because of the protocols, it's like, what are you really here for? And then you have guys like Trey Young on the other side who didn't get in, who's frustrated with get not getting in, and very vocal about not getting in because he just wants to go out and ball. And this is on a team that has no chance to do anything. So it's just interesting to see the other side of things. It really is. I, yeah, bro. I just – I don't know because – you are allowed to have fear about this and everything that's going on and then going back to your family eventually, maybe not even being able to see your family at all. I mean, that definitely is involved with this conversation. So I do understand the family side of things. But at the same time, the players, well, the Board of Governors signed off on the format and then the Players Union signed off on the format. And then now all of a sudden, all of these other problems are starting mm -hmm. to get thrown in the mix. I'm just a little confused on how this all played out. Don't you think even if if it was just about the format i mean if that's all it was about was the format and the union signed off on it don't you think some of these concerns and conversations still should have been brought up at that time going look we don't mind the format but and then the conversations could move forward from there instead of hey they signed it and then out of nowhere everyone gets blindsided with all of this new news Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I think I, I agree with you, but I think the reason it has come to that is because of the spike in cases in, you know, Orlando. Like you gotta like when they had came to this decision, things weren't really open back up by then, you know, uh the protests weren't as big. And quite frankly, I'm gonna just call it what it is. I think it's bullshit that you know they're saying the protests have risen these numbers because people were coming out of the house already and you didn't hear anything about spiking numbers, anything like that. But that's another episode for another show. What I'm saying is, is like with Orlando, especially in Florida, being known as one of the hot spots. Now it's like, all right, this news is changing. We have to adjust with it. But like I said, bro, I, I, I just to me, like, do you do you disagree with me? Like as a competitor, it's like like if somebody told you, like, let's say you're in NHL and somebody tells you, listen, we're going <laughs> to we're going to we're going to go to, you know, I don't know, Toronto or something. We're going to be stuck on a campus. But you're going to have a chance to win. You're going to be stuck on the campus for a couple months, but you're going to have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Like, you look at it in hindsight, would you not be like, no, nah, I'm going for the Stanley Cup. Like, I'll take, I'll go through whatever. It takes. You already got to sacrifice to win. So, like, I might as well go through this for the sake of winning versus 
I don't really want to. Like, do you disagree? No, I don't disagree at all. I think I would be there in a heartbeat. I would be there literally in five seconds. I'd be packing my bags right now. We'd stop recording. I'd be packing my hockey bag, which is outside. And by the way, when you open that hockey bag, you just get hit with this brutal smell of just pure hockey. I mean, I don't know. Not to get too sidetracked here, but does the does basketball locker rooms or gym bags do do they have like a brutal smell? Because you know how like football bags are like oh. Holy shit, hockey bags are like 30 times as bad as football bags, and it makes you want to vomit. Unless it's your own, you're just just accustomed to it. You're blind to it, your nose blind. Yeah, 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 but does the basketball bag locker room, does it smell that bad? No, I I think, yes, it does. Like, when I was coaching and I was walking the locker room after practice, I was like, God. Damn, like did one of y'all like walking with a cheesesteak under your underarm? Like, what is that smell? Like, what did y'all bathe in? So obviously, when you're not in it, it, it smells a little worse. But I'm a straight up say, like, though I think it's because y'all have so many pads. Like, that's what football and football, that's what stinks. It's the it's the practice pennies and it's them damn shoulder pads and the helmet because the sweat just gets stuck in them. My freshman year in the dorm, the hockey players will put their uh they would put their their pads out in the hallway, and if you went up that hallway and them back steps, that shit, like you're right, it was it was like unholy, like this shit ain't righteous at all. Whatever that smell is, but like I said, it's the pads that soak it up. But no, basketball is not as bad. But I know exactly what you're talking about with them hockey. But it was like, like are y'all shitting me, <laughs> dude? <laughs> it's me? so bad, and I used to not realize how bad it really was and then i had a an suv where the trunk was in the car so i put my hockey bag in there and it would be like a 90 degree summer day and i'd go to skate the next day because i'm an idiot and i don't take my bag out and i get in my car and i'm like oh my my god boys i'm not skating today you know what i mean but i'd go anyway of course putting on the wet gear it's like oh my god such an idiot but anyway i would be there in a second if I had to go through some protocols. But I understand why some people with family and kids would look in a different direction. But I don't know or I don't get the vibe that that's fully 100% the reason why some of these people are starting to push back on what the NBA came out with. It'll be interesting. There's going to be some some uh, hurdles to climb and to jump over. But I think at the end of the day, they will find a way to do it. Would you agree? Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. I mean, what do you think? Because I, I got to be honest, I think there's going to be, I feel like this is going to be one of those things that it's going to it's gonna get to a point where it's like, let's just get there. I feel like over the next, what, we still have a month of some change into this. this yeah, pretty much. I think, especially like starting a training camp, it's definitely going to be a story that comes out about somebody possibly having coronavirus on one of the training camps. Like I feel like the next month and a half is going to be so hurdle filled until we actually get to play that it's going to be exhausting. Well, that just happened by the way, in university of Houston, their football camp started back up six guys tested positive. Then they shut everything down. But the difference is the NBA is going to have so much testing. They're going to know what to do. If someone does test positive to get them away from everybody else, like there's going to be people testing, positive you'd be ridiculous to think that you're just going to have a perfect way and nobody tests positive at all but maybe not I mean if they're testing people every single day right every day they're testing people and nobody has it when they first enter maybe there is a way that nobody gets it but I find that hard to believe do you think they should start somebody brought this up to me and I was like this is a good ass point do you think they should start the testing before 
they get there. I feel like they should be sending these dudes kits at home right now. And it's like, listen, y'all, and I'm not gonna lie, it's a like I said, another episode, another show. I don't want to get too carried away. But the fact that the NBA had these tests so ready to go before anybody else did was kind of sketchy too. Anyway, I think they should be getting them these kits to get tested now and while they're at home, before training camp even starts. And everybody's going to be involved with training camp. You start now. So if you do have it, take your two-week quarantine. You know what I mean? Get it out of your system so when you show up to training camp, we can all be good. Do you think that's fair to do? Yeah, and they're probably honestly have that in mind at some point before training yeah. camp starts because, like you said, there's still so much time until that actually happens. So, yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I wouldn't put it past them to think about that as well to kind of make sure the ball is rolling on the right feet there. Yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense, no doubt about it. They, they also mentioned, too, if you're uncomfortable with playing, you don't have to play. You just won't get paid, and someone else will come take your spot. And Look, if Carmelo Anthony doesn't feel like playing, that's fine. The Portland Trailblazers can find somebody else to play for the last eight regular season games or whatever the case may be. It's just going to be bet. interesting if, hey, what if uh, what if Anthony Davis doesn't feel comfortable? What yeah. if Caruso doesn't feel comfortable? Kyle Kuzma or Chris Middleton or any of these people on the upper side of the seeds? What if they don't feel comfortable? What if Jalen Brown doesn't feel comfortable or Marcus Smart? I mean, that's when... Yeah things will get a little dicey. But I don't know if – I feel as if the people who are kind of pushing back and not feeling great about things, I think those are the the players on the teams that don't really have a big shot. If you have a shot to win, I think your competitive nature is is over the fear and you're just wanting to go out there and compete. Exactly, bro, exactly. And and if Carmelo Anthony doesn't play, uh, there's a guy who played for Villanova last year who's pretty good, about the same height. I think he would get the job done. Sadiq. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, I honestly think, bro, you just made me realize something. I completely forgot that it was like, listen, if you don't want to play, then you don't have to show up. I think if, uh, because just because like the, the media isn't covering as much, these protests still have a lot of charge behind them. There's still a lot going on. Um, still a lot of violence, you know, on both sides, quite frankly, just happening uh, throughout the nation right now. I think if certain changes aren't made by the time the season comes, regardless of guys being scared of disease or not, you have there's a chance some players won't play. That might in that I could I could completely see us like maybe people are recovering and it's like I'm not gonna say anything, but come game time, you might have a team that just like we're not going out there. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, I think there's a million things that could happen with that, but I, I you just made me realize like they they have the choice not to play. Some of these guys ain't gonna miss that them checks from the eight regular season games. You know what I mean? They might say, "I'm not going out there." Yeah, this is this is something. This is something. I I got hit with a little dagger. I'm not gonna lie. When I first saw the news break at the end of last week, because I was so blindsided by it, I just expected basketball to be back, and I still do. But to see something like that pop up, I was a little just oh man. And when that story broke, it was more about just the pushback because of the COVID-19 stuff. And, and and now I'm expecting a lot more to keep happening and a lot more noise surrounding this story. And, and yeah. as we stated, there'll be more hurdles. But ultimately, I, I think they will find a way to power through. But let's transition into some Joel Embiid talk. What do you say? He had a quote that was flying around the Twitter sphere that got people all juiced up a bit. And, I mean, I get it. I understand the the, the excitement about it. But with, with me and Joel Embiid, it's like, hey, it's time to prove it. So here's the quote. We've been going at it for the past four weeks, about six times a week, just trying to get a head start and get ready for whatever's coming. Whatever's coming. 
I have something to prove, and I feel like whenever that opportunity comes, it's going to be my time. Now, look, he's a player where when he gets criticized by the TNT crew, he comes out the next night and has a big game. When he hears it from the fans, he comes out the next night and has a big game. To me, this is him just getting hyped up. He'll come out. He might have a couple good games. And then, just like all the other times, there'll be a, a game or a stretch of games where he's super tired. He only scores 18. He looks a little lazy. He pops eight threes. I mean, it's just a, a cycle that continues to happen every time we talk about him beat. Yeah, I, I really hope it's because of his youth. Um that that quality you're talking about, you know, I I think we've all done it at some point in our career, but and none of us draw and be. Uh, but that whole you have to be backed into a corner to show how strong you are, you know, mentality. I, I think Joel and B will never be to where, quite frankly, everybody expects he should be until he doesn't need that. Uh, but if that gets him through this postseason and and it that lets him pull the Sixers to I don't know, Eastern Conference Finals or, you know, a great second round berth, you know, that doesn't um get Brett Brown fired, quite frankly, because I feel like that's the guy they're going to go after if this thing doesn't go right, then cool. But I- I'm with you. It's at a point where it's just like, bro, we got to see it. You know what I mean? We got to see it and then see it again and then see it again. We got to see it to the point where you don't have to be pushed to push back. You're just that aggressive because that's in your nature. Michael Jordan was literally making up stories that didn't even happen. And and he did mention the whole entire MJ thing. So here, uh, the, the quote, before the quote, it says, like millions of basketball fans across the country, Embiid had a formative experience watching the Last Dance documentary. And he says, I did watch it. It was interesting. I saw a lot of similarities, and a lot of people had told me that. I'm always quiet about it, but I kind of saw that there's a lot of similarities, and I can also be that guy. I just need to keep putting in the work, and that's what I've been doing. It's a great documentary, and I enjoyed it. Now, look, I don't see a goddamn similarity in Joel Embiid and Michael Jordan. Not one, besides the fact that they play basketball. I don't see one. I think it's the talent. I think it's the level of just natural. I'm going to call it what it is. I'm one of those people, Kyrie said it um, best. He was like, hard hard work beats talent. The earth is flat. Was that was that the quote? <laughs> like, imagine I just say that and end it. Kyrie said it. The earth is flat. That solved everything. Like, what? What the fuck? How, how did you just walk off on that? But no, no. Kyrie said, "Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard." Uh, LeBron James was quoted. He was in high school. He was like, "You know, I have this natural ability, but I put in the work behind it. That's what it is." Me and you talked about it. You know, a couple shows ago with AI. Like that's the thing that really separates him. At the end of the day, if he would have had a certain work ethic on top of that raw talent and just natural charisma, then that takes it on. And I think with Joel Embiid and Michael Jordan, the similarity would be that natural ability to just grow and learn. Like Michael Jordan said, I cut in high school, I cut uh, as my sophomore year, wasn't that good. Even at UNC, he said he was kind of good, but it wasn't until after he made that shot that he had these things. Joel Embiid has constantly had this like, just almost like this this escalator type of career where he just goes up in a very steady pace. You know what I mean? But like I said, I think it's not until he just gets that that nastiness that Jordan had, that ability to self-correct and self-assess and self-motivate without outside things kind of pressing in on him that I think that's what separates him, but that talent, I I think that's what he's uh, referring to. Yeah, I was thinking the only, yeah, of course the talent is there, but defensively. They both gave it defensively. So with that, that's where I saw the, the biggest 
comparison between the yeah. two. But in reality, I mean, look, they're not even close to yeah. the same damn player. I think that with Joel Embiid, he does need to find a way inside to kind of motivate himself instead of, as you stated perfectly, getting backed into the corner. And that, that's exactly what this is. Does this bother you, though? And I, I just wonder how you look at it. Because with basketball... I do think that there's something to be said about being super confident, wanting to be the guy, like saying, this is my team, this is my mm -hmm. time, this is where I'm going to do it. Like, I totally understand that. But do you think if he said, like, he ended it with, it's going to be my time. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not extremely disappointed with that. But what if he said, it's going to be our time. It's going to be the Sixers time. If he ended it with that quote, do you think it would hit differently or are you okay with the it's my time? I get what he's saying. I'm going to dominate. I'm going to be the dude. But what if he came out and said, look, it's going to be our time. I'm going to be part of what gets going this offseason with the rest of the guys. Or not this offseason, but the rest of this quarantine. Yeah, yeah, quarantine, the asterisk season. I, I think uh... – just to play devil's advocate, I think he's saying that I, I can control what I can control. I don't think Joel Embiid is at a point where he can lead this team. Like when I look at the Jordan thing, the 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 one of the biggest things that stuck out was the episode when he started crying at the end when he was like, "That's how I lead, and that's how I play the game. And if you don't want to do it, that's on you." And you see, he broke down. He told him to cut. What he has said when they were showing that clip of him running and beating everybody in the suicide, or they showed him in the game snap, or they showed the championship uh, wins and all that, and them crying locker room. What he said was, I never asked anything from them that I couldn't ask, you know, I wouldn't do myself. Nothing, nothing. You never saw me ask for somebody, you know, to do something I wouldn't do. I think as a player, and you can attest to this, that if the leader is asking you to do shit and it's like, you aren't the hardest working guy. You aren't the first in the gym. You aren't the last out. You don't want the last shot. It's kind of, it's just, I think that's what happened with Kyrie and LeBron. It's like, you asking me to do certain things and I visibly, I can see you aren't doing them. So when you come at me about it, it's like, there's a natural, hold up, bro. I think that's what John B was alluding to. Like, I can't control them just yet. I can't lead this team like Jordan. I would hope somebody told him like, you can't lead this team like Jordan did just yet because you fell short on certain things. What you can do is make sure that you go out there on another level. That you're, the, as Kobe would say, a different animal with the same beast. And you go out there and kill, and now it's like, all right, let's get behind this guy. This is the process. We talk about the process. This is the process. This is our leader. Let's do it. Now, I hate to, to tell a story that relates okay. to that because this story is not a good one for me. But when I was playing juniors up in Vermont my last year, I, I was a vocal guy. Believe it or not, I was vocal in the locker room. That might be shocking. You know, oh. I, was the, I was the locker room guy dancing after games, you know, getting the boys going or whatnot. And, uh, you know, the, the boys, we had a team vote for captains and all that. And I actually did get the – well, I was an age out. When you're an age out and it's your last year, you know, you have a good chance of getting the letter, of course. But I was very vocal, so the boys voted me captain. But – the coach called me in. Well, hold on. The story's not over. You got. You might have to stop fist pumping. <laughs> the coach called me in, and we had a conversation. He's like, look, you know, if you're a captain, you know, you got to be first in the suicides. Your off-season training has to be unbelievable. When we do training camp, you got to be crushing it and being all this. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the case. I Look, I tried. Mm -hmm. I tried my best, but I, I wasn't the fastest runner. I couldn't I, I was just – I was a little checked out, a little lazy at times. I'm not going to lie. That was probably one of my biggest knocks at times. I'm like, damn, I just don't feel like doing this right now. I'm a little <laughs> lazy at times, not going to lie. So he said, look, you know, the boys voted you that way because you are great in the locker room, but I don't think that you can rock the C because 
you you don't have that extra stuff. And I, I I understood what he was saying. I was like, you know what? You're you're right. You're not wrong. It would be different if he was wrong saying that, but he wasn't. Yeah. But that kind of relates to that. It's like, how am I going to tell the boys, like, yo, boys, you got to work harder. You got to be first. You got to do this. And then here I am, like, middle of the pack, just cruising during suicides, right? So I was like, ah, damn. All right. Well, it is what it is. I wasn't that bothered because yeah. I was still me in the locker room. It doesn't change me. But, um. But, yeah, I mean, that kind of just relates exactly to what you were saying. How am I supposed to tell the boys, yo, fucking figure it out, let's go, and then I'm in the back just chugging along. Like, hey, yeah, boy, can't yeah, wait like, for those beers not, after practice. What? Exactly. Like with sports, like that's the difference between a boss and a leader. You know what I mean? And in sports, it, our boss is upstairs in the office. They don't come down here on the floor. But the leader on the floor has to be the one that, like, like and it's, I gave LeBron shit with the Kyrie thing, but let's be honest. Like, he's one of those guys, like, all right, if we got an off day, he's in there. In the off season, a week afterwards, he's training. I could imagine when they have training camp, yeah, he might not go hard every day because it's like, yeah, we need you to do X, Y, and Z. Obviously, in a preseason, he doesn't play as hard, but it's like this guy's in the weight room afterwards. He's eating right. He's never in trouble with the media on some bullshit. So it almost becomes like a, as a human, it gets to a point where it's like, well, how can I not listen to this guy? You know what I mean? It's like, if you don't listen to him, you're being crazy. It's like, how do you? not listen to this individual that's putting everything he has on the line how can you not give 100 percent to that person when they ask for it and i think that's what joel Embiid is trying to get to now i'm gonna be honest with you bro and me and you have said this before too i don't want to back down on this i still think this sixers thing is going to be a leadership by committee because you have so many different big personalities and and, and different dynamics going on it's just where the game is trending but i loved i would love to see for joel Embiid like at least try that. You know what I mean? At least try to see what happens when you get to that that Jordan level where it's just like, yo, he's first in here, last one out. We got a day off. He ain't taking it. We got film session. He's in there longer. Like, you know, a quick story on Jalen Brunson. Like, we would come down for team film sessions and him and Coach Wright is sitting there watching film before all of us. You know what I mean? Breaking down his film before we watch the team film. So when he goes out there, he tells somebody to set a screen or something. It's like, how can I, you know what I mean? It's in the back of your mind, it's like, you might fight it, but it's like, listen, how can I not listen to him? You know what I mean? How can I not? It's no, just, I want Ben Simmons to be that guy, though. I do. Deep I do, down, too. I wish Ben was that dude, because I just I think that this too. team would go in, in a different way if Ben was the one that takes that step that has the MJ-type mentality. What if it turns into a Kobe and Shaq type of thing? Without the drama. Hoping, obviously. But what if it turns into a Kobe and Shaq? Even, hey, like, listen, even with the drama, what they yeah, accomplished, I'll take yeah. any day of the week. You know what I mean? <laughs> Give me the drama, damn it. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah I'm saying, if it, if it turns into that, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think that that's a bad thing whatsoever, right? I mean, yeah. isn't that kind of what we're rooting for, kind of? I mean, look, yeah. anyone would give up what they have now for what Shaq and Kobe went through. Yeah. Even yeah. with the drama. Yeah, man. Yeah, I should. I talked about sacrifices. I got that much drama for three championships. Like, listen, we we can patch this shit up later. You know what I mean? We can figure this out later. Ain't nobody giving back the three championships. You know what I mean? Like, those are ours. Them Jones are in Staples. That's what it is. I think that's what the Sixers are going for. But I'm with you. I would love to see Ben. If I had to choose a guy, I would choose Ben Simmons to be it just because of his versatility, just because of, you know, how we felt about his position on the team. But if it produced some championships of both of them being those alphas, I'm for it. Now, in this city, if they were to win three championships, you know that they would still try and fire Brett Brown because it wasn't five. It should have been five. It should have been five. It was only three. Get rid of Brett Brown. 
Exactly. You know coaching, that's coming. coaching the NBA is a thankless job. You know what I mean? When you do, when it happens, it wasn't because of you. If it didn't happen, it's all your damn fault. This crazy hey, lifestyle. You know he signed huh? up for. Crazy exactly. lifestyle. All right, we'll, we'll end on this quote here. This was about the All Star Game. Uh, the All Star Game will aim to capitalize on the momentum he was building prior to the hiatus. And he states, I felt like before the season got shut down, I was on that path. Especially after that All-Star game, my mentality completely changed. First part of the season wasn't up to my standard, not even close. I was on the path of changing it all, go out and making it happen. Now, here's the thing that he forgets to mention. There was no Ben Simmons. So, of course, your numbers are going to be higher. Of course, you're going to be the guy with the ball in your hands. We're going to need you with Ben Simmons on the floor. So if if you weren't playing up to your standards early in the year when everybody was on the floor and you had Ben and you had Al Horver, that's a problem because that's what's going to need to happen in the postseason. I don't give a damn what you did when Ben wasn't on the floor because that's not that's not going to happen when you got to win basketball games. I hate to be negative. And, and here's another thing, though. It's not as if there were 30 games after the All-Star break. It was a handful of games because the season got shut down. So yeah. he's talking about, what, six, seven games? I mean, woohoo. Yeah, yeah. Am I being I, harsh? I'm- Go no 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 I'm not I'm just I'm saying speaking from a, a player perspective that quite frankly carved my spot out when another guy went down. Oh no. Call it what it is. Oh no. Call it what it is. Oh no, you I'm an out, asshole. No, 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 no. The hope is that that player figures out more about themselves in that. And then once everybody gets back in the scheme, they're that much more confident in their role. Uh but I agree with you. It doesn't it Ben Simmons being out, it's like, all right, that's great. But, you know what I mean? When he gets back, does that mean all this is going away? Same thing I said with, you know, Ben Simmons possibly shoot threes in an empty gym. It's like, yeah, this is great now, but let's talk long game. What does this mean for the future? You know what I mean? And this Joe B. Ben Simmons thing is going to be an anomaly until it's not. It's going to be something that we talk about as fans until we don't, until it figures itself out, until they figure it out. But I, I have faith that at this point, his back, once again, is against the wall enough that he's going to figure out, all right, how do I not only make this happen, but make it happen consistently? That's the thing. Make it happen consistently because we do see him return from after the nonsense he pulls and he has a big game. He'll score 42. We'll have 38. And then maybe the next game he'll give you 36 and 18 and it's crazy. But then after a couple games or a handful of games, things start to go in the in the other direction where he looks a little tired, he looks a little lazy, or he has a bad night, or he's not getting in the post, and he's shooting a lot of threes because he's tired. And, and, and that's the thing. It's not a long-term fix, and that's where I think the disconnect is. And once that happens, once he goes from dominating for a week, not dominating for a week, he says yeah. something, it's controversial, his back's against the wall, and then he dominates for a couple games, then he doesn't dominate, and it's like a big cycle over and over and yeah. over again. I'm just... I'm just sick and tired of it. So hopefully, yeah, I know. Hopefully he finds a way. But with that being said, I think this is a perfect time to end this episode. 18 episodes in, still not one basketball game played. Who knows when it will happen? It will be an exciting time. You think we're excited now to get on and, and talk hoops? Just imagine we can break down some X's and O's, you know? Can't wait. That's, I say, I can't wait, man. That's, that's what I'm waiting for. I know. It's going to be a good time. So thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of Process, and we will see you next time.